Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I'm the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk about separation and anxiety being a very common struggle among all ages of adoptees. In some cases, they start off, uh, the anxiety and separation will start off in early childhood and you know, maybe if coping skills are learned or there's things done to facilitate this not happening, then maybe, you know, it won't continue to be an ongoing struggle throughout, you know, an adoptee's life. For other adoptees, this is something that they may struggle with ongoingly. So today we're going to talk about what's really going on in an adoptee's head when it comes to um, separation and, and the anxiety that may go along with it. And we're going to look at some some ways to make things easier for those adoptees that you have in your life. This is from a WordPress article titled Adoptees and Saying Goodbye. Stephanie writes, I hate saying goodbye. It might be a move, a death, a breakup, or an unhealthy friendship. Sometimes it's just that the vacation's over. Yet, for many adoptees, it's so much more than a goodbye. It's a visceral response that is really uncomfortable. Even if we no longer want that person around, the thought of them not being there anymore might induce something akin to terror. I've faced this. The logical reasoning is present, just not being applied. We would rather keep people in our lives simply to avoid being triggered, even when it has little to do with the person you're saying goodbye to, but more to do with the feelings that go along with it. We revert back to infancy, the image of being left alone, the fear of not being heard, of being left behind. After talking with other adoptees and therapists, I understand that I'm not insane. It's yet another glorious side effect of adoption trauma. I have on more than one occasion stood outside of myself watching the chaos unfold. Reasonable me is pleading with the unreasonable me, begging her to come to her senses as she has a meltdown in the corner. But eyes are wild and she's inconsolable, demanding that I leave her alone. There's no logic with this woman, but what I now understand is that unreasonable me is actually infant me, and she is terrified of feeling abandoned. Now, do you get that you know, kind of feeling yourself? I do, yes. And I never realized really what was behind it. In other words, I wasn't putting two and two together. Mm-hmm. I thought that I just had you know, some level of anxiety, and because of that, 
certain things were harder and would make me more anxious. And, you know, as I am growing still and we're always learning and uh, I've spent so much time in the adoption world, I've read tons and tons of research and without self-diagnosing myself, I would say that that I can absolutely understand and resonate with this to a T. An example would be uh, this past week, uh, my daughter decided that she wanted to live in a dorm at college. And this was a first for me. I have an older daughter who lives on her own. She's She moved out about five years ago. Okay. And that was rough. That was really rough. Uh, because we weren't planning on Emma, my, my second biological daughter, moving out until next year, the year after, into a dorm, we decided um, when school started that the commute was a little bit more challenging than we had thought study groups are actually on campus. And so it made more sense for her to go into a dorm and stay on campus. And even though she's 30 minutes away, it really rocked my world. How so? I think it was very much what this post just described. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was having to say goodbye. It was the, even though it was in my daughter's best interest and the best possible scenario for her, it wasn't for me. And we've talked about that moms have to make the hardest choices. And so putting my own feelings aside, I had to do what was best for her. That doesn't mean it was easy. That doesn't mean as it's happening and we're going through the steps of saying goodbye that I was fine with it. Yeah, further thing from it. You know, I'm that mom that is, you know, sobbing as she's walking to the car, knowing, you know, you're not supposed to do that because Mm -hmm. you want your child to see you happy and proud of her. And even though I'm saying all these things, you know, my <laughs> behavior is, is indicating otherwise. Um, right. So well, it's I exactly think- like the uh, post that said there's the reasonable you and the unreasonable you, and you can't get them together. They're, they're not going right. to meet. Right. It, it, they're like oil and water because mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not happening. And in, in that moment of, having to, you know, hug and kiss her goodbye and and walk away, even though she's 19, you know, you'd think, oh, well, that's what's supposed to happen. That's the next logical step. I'm one of those moms that if my children lived with me forever, I'd be thrilled knowing, yes, I know it's not healthy. I know it's not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> They're supposed to launch. You're supposed to push your little eaglets out of the, the nest out of the and nest, watch yeah. them get that. And I did it successfully with my oldest daughter and I'm on my way with my second, but it is fighting every instinct I have. Okay, the question I have is what, and I'm sure it does, I I have no question about that, but what makes you feel like this leads back to your adoption? The sense of sheer almost panic. Okay. You know, when when I'm saying goodbye and I'm physically walking away the sheer almost desperation to be back with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's not like this when, you know, you, you drop your child off on the first day of kindergarten. I mean, that's hard, but it's, it's not the same. And I know parents out there who don't have adopted children or who weren't adopted still struggle when they, you know, when they drop their child off at college, it's, it's basically the end of them being, a child living with you under your roof. And even though 
they live in a dorm, but their permanent address is still yours and they still come home on weekends and summers and stuff like that. It's different now. It's not what it was. And I think the letting go and allowing change to happen is exceedingly difficult because you want stability and you want continuity and you don't want change and you want to make sure that they're not going to leave you behind. And that can be really hard. It can be hard to understand and hard to process. You know, it took me a very long time to cope with my oldest daughter when she chose to move out. And, you know, it was the right time for her. You know, she was an adult. She was doing really well. She was able to support herself on her own. And I still get to see her and we have an amazing relationship. But it still took a long time for me to find peace in it. Do you feel like this time is harder than the last time? The reason I'm asking is because I want to know if you feel like it's going to continue to get worse or if it'll get a little easier with each child, because you still have several to go. I do. Um, actually, I think it is getting a little bit easier with okay, each good. child. It, um, you know, in the moment of, you know, the panic and the desperation of the Band-Aid being ripped off at that moment and it being so incredibly raw, you know, you can't see past the clouds in that moment. You can't see when it's going to feel better. Um, but when the clouds do lift, you can breathe again. And yeah, it, um, you know, this is, see, I'm on day three and I'm okay. No, I'm on day two, actually. It's day two and I'm okay. I'm, I, it was really hard. I think that, you know, even with this, I still stand that adoption is amazing. But I, I think that when every, person has something in their life that, you know, they, they have to um, maybe handle something differently or maybe put a little more effort into something else. You know, uh, maybe if somebody has a challenge with reading, you know, they need a little extra support there. Maybe if somebody is an adoptee, they may need somebody who, you know, a partner that is, that is patient and that is understanding and that can, can make sure, you know, to avoid some of the triggers that you may have, or maybe, you know, preparing you. One of the the reasons I think that I took this so difficultly was because we did not, it was probably a catch-22, because we did not plan on her going in, it was a very abrupt decision. And it didn't give me time to wallow or, you know, and, and build up anxiety, which was good, but it was quick. Right. And it was fast. And so there's pluses and minuses to that. But like I said, it, it was rough initially. And yet we still, you know, found the humor as as we did as we were leaving. And that definitely helps as well. Kind of brought me back to my mom. So it kind of took me off, off guard for a second there. About so. it because that's very similar. Yeah. And, and you said that it is in a very real way, like a death. It's not a death of a person like my mom, for instance, but it's the death of a situation that you're comfortable with. And that you love. And that you love. And however, it's also in a a big way, a a new beginning. Um, 
do you and I'm sure I know the answer to this as well, but do you feel that since your adoption was closed, it wasn't an open adoption that maybe made the situation even harder and makes letting go harder for you? Because um, when you have an open adoption, there's not an unknown. Right. When you have a closed adoption, there's always the unknown until you are able to, to find each other. And when you have to have experiences like a child moving into a dorm, Mm -hmm. there is unknown there. And so where a person who, who doesn't fear the unknown, they're going to have a different reaction than a person who has fear of the unknown. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard to compare because I, I was always adopted. So I, I don't think that I could compare myself to a parent who, um, wasn't adopted because I don't know the difference. It's all I've ever known. And that being said, I can't fathom not feeling the way that I do about my children or my love for them or them leaving. Like, I I don't know how any parent would feel differently, but, um, I would like to imagine that they do because that that's pretty traumatic. I mean, that's, that's hard. Um, and again, I have an incredible daughter who, you know, is very uh, tolerant and patient. And, you know, I wanted to be that mom that was just like high-fiving her and, you know, <laughs> telling her to have, you know, all kinds of fun and, and so forth. And probably wasn't the same as me doing it as I did it through tears, you know, <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, so it was- I am proud of you. I know this was a very we talked about it last week, not on air, but uh, we talked about it and how you were not looking forward to this. And you were just very anxious. You had a lot of anxiety about the whole thing. And I think you've handled it. I know you had a tough time with it, but you obviously you've got to do the right thing in the end for her and for you. And it's the opening of a new chapter that's going to be beautiful as well. I think so. I think that that is what kept me going in the Mm -hmm. hardest moments of it. Um, And not that it's not hard now. It's just that I'm settling back down. And like I said, I'm finding peace and I'm seeing that she's happy and uh, she is, you know, already making friends and she's, she's doing well. And that's what I want for her as any parent would. I want her to be the best her she can be, but even though we stand behind adoption and, and what adoption offers, there are always, as I was saying, ups with downs and downs with ups. And because this is an issue that is not uncommon among adoptees at different you know, stages in their life, if not throughout their life, I think it is important to address it. And hopefully we can provide some ideas and coping skills for, for those adoptees out there or their loved ones so that they can help kind of change the thought process and the pattern that our thoughts do go to when presented with a situation like this. So this is from the adopteeandme.com, and it's called Come Back, I Need You, Understanding Adoptee Separation Anxiety and Five Ways Loved Ones Can Help. Uh, let's see. So number one on this list is listen and acknowledge. When we express our feelings, our fears, please listen, because there's something deeper going on that we may not even fully understand. So Nicole wrote this in a post that was posted on the Adoptee and Me. And I think it's really important. She was she did an amazing job pulling out 
five ways that loved ones can really help adoptees with their separation anxiety. I think this is phenomenal because this is a good way to to help um, combat some of those triggers and fears. So the first thing is to listen and acknowledge. Why that's such a big deal is because sometimes when someone's having anxiety or they're struggling with separation, they just want to be heard. And it goes back to the thing about husbands and wives, where husbands just want to fix it. And sometimes wives just want to be heard. And it's the same with adoptees. Just listen is a huge thing. And it's hard for a lot of us. I know I've been working on it myself, so... Yeah, it's a huge thing. And, you know, in that, make sure that you express to the adoptee that their feelings are real, whether or not what's causing the anxiety may not be um, a probability of what might happen by acknowledging it and, you know, giving credence to their feelings. That's going to go a long way. So number two says, communicate schedule changes. We all run late from time to time, but when the adoptee is waiting for a loved one to return and the expected time of return is passed, feelings of anxiety can set in. That is probably one of the the reasons that I don't intentionally do this, but I always run late. And I I feel that if I... And, and again, I'm spilling all my secrets, but if mm-hmm. I run late, then I'm not worrying about somebody else being late. Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. Yes. And no, okay. it's not a great excuse. It's just an no, interesting perspective. It really is. No, I. It, sometimes you need to look at things from a point of view you've never thought of before, and, and that really right. kind of shined a light on it. Number three is... Learn your loved one's triggers. Over time, you may notice patterns or specific situations that trigger anxiety in your loved one. You can reach out with simple text to say that you're thinking about them and set a time for a quick goodnight phone call, things like that. Yeah, so I think this is really a a good message. Um, I can think of a time, and this actually didn't have anything to do with separation or anything like that. It was, um, I was at a, a conference with my husband and... We had, um, we were talking about some things regarding adoption and, you know, there, it it was a very intimate setting and it got a little bit uncomfortable for me in some areas. And I remember looking over at him and him, him mouthing, you know, 10 more minutes, five more minutes, and he was counting it down for me. And that was huge because it was that reassurance of I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And so that was, um, that was a really big thing. And I think that when you are starting to have anxiety or you're having anxiety and somebody in your phone dings that you have a text, it changes your mindset, even for that Mm -hmm. second. And it puts you in a new mindset. And so I think that's very positive as well. I think I think these are phenomenal. Number four is develop and maintain rituals. As we know, rituals are extremely reassuring. They can serve a deeper uh, they can serve to deepen your relationship when executed with consistency. Continuity is huge with with a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Knowing what's going to happen next is very reassuring. Most people don't deal well with change. You know, that's that factors into my daughter moving from our home to a dorm. We don't do well with change because our rituals are now all messed up and our patterns are gone and it's not comfortable. And so we have to now develop new rituals. And the new ritual 
needs to be me not texting or calling her, you know, so frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and I'm joking. Um, I do have boundaries. I want to say that I do have boundaries. Uh, So with regard to that, I think that, you know, if you can have, if you say, you know, I'm going to call at this time and check on you, make sure you Mm -hmm. do. You know, my daughter's very, very, very good about that. If she tells me, mom, I'm going to do this, then, then I can count on her doing it. You know, she's very good about following her words. She won't make promises or commitments that she can't keep. And so I'm very blessed in that area because I know what will happen next. And that dovetails really nicely into uh, number five, which is be responsive. This one's simple. Um, when your loved one calls, texts, or is trying to reach you with a need or a question, try to respond promptly. Your silence can lead to unnecessary worry and potential disaster scenarios that amplify anxiety. And that kind of sounds like your daughter is ahead of the curve on that one. She's preemptive. Yeah, <laughs> She's uh, preemptive. And, and so, and again, I, I really wanted to use this experience because for me, it was significant. It was huge. And one other thing too, that, that I did, and I'm an exceedingly private person. So, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm opening up on this is a little surprising even to me. (laughs) Um, but at home, you know, the kids, the other kids that are home did see me upset and I made sure to explain to them why I'm so upset and, you know, everything is okay. I just need to learn how to process this. And I found that by doing that, while they were all swarming me and and making sure I was fine, and that was darling, I didn't want them to worry that there were other things that I wasn't telling them or that that something else was going on. You know, we we talked about what it was, and they looked like all they wanted to do was help me get better. And that was just so sweet. And so, and like I said, it was just a couple hours of, that were really bad, that were hard. And uh, I think that in the end, I, you know, I learned something, I grew, and I think I'll even do better next time. And sometimes that's all you can ask for a situation like that. If you're pregnant and considering adoption, we are here for you and understand what you're going through. We've helped hundreds of women place their babies for adoption, and we want to help you as well. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.